0: simon peter the servant and apostle of jesus christ to those who through the righteousness of our god and savior jesus christ have received a faith as precious as ours grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of god and of jesus our lord his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has, has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore my brothers and sisters, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And i will make every effort to see that after my departure you will always be able to remember these things we did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our lord jesus christ but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty for he received honor and glory from god the father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying this is my son whom i love with him i am well pleased we ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain and we have the word of the prophets made more certain and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts above all you must understand that no prophecy of scripture Came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Word of the Lord. Then, if you would go in the back of your gray Psalter hymnals to page 818. To the Belgian Confession, Articles 2, 3, and 4. Now some of you who have taken Dive into Doctrine and have taken some of the classes that we have here have this little purple or whatever color booklet is called Our Faith. It has an updated version of the Belgian Confession. However, in these particular articles, there's not a whole lot of change. Not much has changed, a couple words here and there, but for the rest it's virtually the same. So we're using the Psalter hymnal, and, and in this series in the Belgian Confession, when the words are considerably different than the new version, that is in the Psalter, we'll make sure you have the updated version in front of you. So if you would turn page 818, the Belgian Confession, last Sunday evening, Pastor John dealt with the article 2, so I want to go just to the the very last paragraph. We know God by two means. First of all, through creation. and Secondly, he makes himself known to us more openly by his holy and divine word as much as we need in this life for his glory and for the salvation of his own. Then Article 3. We confess that this word of God was not sent or delivered by the will of men, but that holy men of God spoke, being moved by the Holy Spirit, as we just read from Peter. Afterwards, our God, because of the special care he has for us in our salvation, commanded his servants, the prophets and apostles, to commit this revealed word to writing. He himself wrote with his own finger the two tables of the law. Therefore, we call such writings holy and divine scriptures. And then Article 4, I'm not going to read the whole thing. We include in the, whole, in the Holy Scripture the two volumes of the Old and the New Testaments. They are canonical books with which there can be no quarrel at all. In the Church of God, the list is as follows. The Old Testament and then in the New Testament. And I'll leave it to you, not now, but later on to read some time and tell me which book of the Bible that we have now is not included in this list that Guido de Bray wrote. So now you're all looking now to find out which is the one that's not there. And some, of you know the, um, some of you know the books of the Bible. You can probably sing it in a little child's song as you go all the way through and come out with all 66 books are in the scriptures. Brothers and sisters in Christ, if you want excitement, drama, monsters, giants, war stories, sword fights, spirits, wretched evil, blood and gore, people rising from the grave, wisdom, family values, love stories, stories of redemption, futuristic and stories and so on. Forget about Netflix, forget about the movies, and forget about books. Have I got a book for you, the Bible. Such is indeed the Bible, a wonderful, exciting, amazing book, really it's one of a kind. The only awesome living God whom we confess makes himself known in two ways, says the writer of the Belgic Confession reflecting the teaching of the Bible. And so look at article 2 on page 108 or 818. First of all, he speaks to us of his eternal power and divinity through the wonders of creation and through a continuous looking after that creation. Pastor John took us there last Sunday evening. Psalm 19 makes us stop and listen to the music of the spheres, as it were. Not only do we see reflections of the Creator all around us, but when we stop to listen to the crops and to the trees and to the birds and to the insects and to the animals and to the wind and the rain and the clouds and so on, we will surely hear these things exclaim to us, God is great! Awesome is our God. The whole of the creation around us brings us greetings from the Lord God and tells us about the one who made it all. And the creation is quite a story to tell. As a matter of fact, writes the Apostle Paul in Romans 1 verse 20, the wonder of creation is such that it leaves the people without excuse. There is no reason, no excuse for unbelief. The creation is so wondrous, says Romans 1, verse 20, so majestic, so involved, that there is no way that it could be made by chance somehow. The magnificence of the creation drives one to a confession of the Creator, namely God the Father, who has all of those attributes as you see on the wall there from Article 1 of the Belgian Confession. But there's a problem with God's general revelation as we call it. Mind you, it ought to be clear in our minds the problem is not with God, but it's with us. <coughs> Though the world and everything in it and on it speak powerfully of God and has God speak through it so that we're without excuse. Nonetheless, we as people have found ways to turn down the volume of God's voice. We have found ways to tune out the music of the spheres. Our pollution of air and water and land have done that, of course, but even worse has been the damage caused by sin and the damage caused by our not fully understanding what it means to be stewards of the land. Sin doesn't allow us to see straight anymore. In the fall, everything became distorted, including our view of God through the creation. In our sinfulness and in our fallen state, no longer could we clearly hear God speaking in creation. And just looking at the wonders of creation will not introduce someone to Christ. Just looking out the window at the world outside is not enough for us to come to live in the comfort of knowing that we belong to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Because of our sin, because of our polluted nature, more than creation is needed in order for us to know God, in order for us to be restored to a full relationship with the Father. And while creation, general revelation, speaks to us eloquently of the majesty and the creator of creative power of God, it doesn't tell us what has gone wrong, nor does it tell us anything about what God is doing through Jesus, his son, to right the wrongs. So it is that we confess in the Belgic Confession, Article 2B, that God makes himself known to us more openly by his holy and divine word as much as we need in this life for his glory and for the salvation of his own. And while we think of the Bible, when we think of God's holy and divine word and special revelation, it originally needed not necessarily be limited to what was written down in the Bible as we have it today. Much was done, said, and written that was not preserved for the church. That's what the Belgic Confession has in mind when it makes a distinction within special revelation. Article 3, holy men of God spoke, being moved by the Holy Spirit, and then afterwards, some of it was written down. God's original special revelation came in a variety of ways. There was what was called theophanies which refers to the special showing of God to man such as in the burning bush or the appearance of an angel with a specific message, for example. God also came to people with his own voice such as when he spoke from Mount Sinai to the people when giving the law or when he was heard at the Jordan River when Jesus was baptized, this is my son. God also revealed himself in a special way through miracles. And finally, through the prophets, such as Ezekiel or Isaiah or Jeremiah, for example. So while special revelation need not be limited to the written word as we find it in the Bible, nonetheless, Scripture is, of course, the primary way in which God reveals Himself to us today. And when we say Scripture, we mean the Bible. This single book containing 66 books, this is what's called God's special revelation or as Dr. Packer puts it, quote, God's special revelation as opposed to the general nature of his revelation in creation. Our confession is that the Lord, besides speaking to us through the world around us, through his great creative power in the Bible, speaks to us very specifically of his great re-creative power In the person and through the work of Jesus Christ. And so the Bible, this book, is in a class all by itself. The Protestant Reformation of the 1500s, this is the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, resulted largely from a rediscovery of the importance of the Bible. The church of the day had drifted away from the teachings of the scripture. They also hoarded it and would not let the public read it on their own, in their own homes or in a language that they could understand. And as a result, in reality, all the people had was the beautiful book of the universe, of the creation. And though that made many believe and know that there was a God, they were kept from seeing and meeting Jesus The Word made flesh. And the Reformers, such as Guido de Bray, and the Reformers, as Guido de Bray so beautifully stated in the Belgian Confession, recognized the importance of the Bible in order to really know God in Christ Jesus. And so they worked hard to place the Word in the hands of every believer. And they made sure, and that continues even today that it's in a language the common people could understand. The Bible also took a central place in Protestant worship service, even as it still has a central place today, as is evidenced by the centrality of the pulpit and the amount of time being spent on the Word being preached. The Reformers, 500 years ago, reiterated reiterated their uniqueness of the Word of God, of the Bible. By the way, the word Bible comes from the Greek word biblos, meaning simply book. The word scripture comes from the Latin word scriptura, meaning to write or writings. Scripture means writings. So when we put the two terms together, we get the book of writings, not just any book. Of writing, but a very special book. Well, what makes this written word so special? Debray quotes 2 Peter 1:21 in the answer to the question: this word of God was never sent, was not sent or delivered by the will of men. But men of God spoke, being moved by the Holy Spirit. So from that text. We learn that this is God's word. This book, though bound, printed, published, sold like any other book, is not like any other book. For this is the message to the human race from the living God, the Lord of lords and the King of kings. This is the word of the awesome God, the creator of all. That's what makes it so special. And please note that while the Bible tells us all sorts of things about... I'll make sure I get this right. While the Bible tells us all sorts of things about the Lord, it is not a book about God. The Bible was not given to us to satisfy our curiosity about the Lord or to satisfy our curiosity about His nature. Nor is this a book about people. It's not a history book that concerns itself primarily with the Jewish nation. It cannot and ought not to be used as a Middle East reference or history book. It's not to be used as a geography or genealogical book. For that matter, it ought not to be used as any sort of a textbook, because it's not a textbook of any sort. Rather, this is a book that describes the relationship between God and his people. It's a covenantal book. It's a love letter we've heard before. From the groom to the bride, from the Lord to the church. Psalm 119 puts it, it's a light to our path and a guide for our feet. It explains reality as it really is. And that reality is rather bleak. And then it points us the way out of our sinfulness, out of our predicament. But it's not as if God says to us, I see that you're curious about me. I can fix that. I promise to tell you just what you want to know. Just read the Bible. That's not why God gave us the word. Rather, it's as if God says to us, I see that you are badly fallen and hurt. hurt. I see that you are polluted by sin, that you're unable to save yourself, or for that matter, you're unable to see things for what they really are. I see you stumbling about on the earth, and I promise that I will lift and heal and forgive and restore. I promise that I will give you the light of the world so that you'll be able to see. Now here's what I've done, and here's what I'm doing in Jesus. And here's also a way in which you can respond to that wondrous grace in Christ. The Bible therefore speaks about how God works throughout history to redeem His people. And all 66 books make up the one story of how God restores His people to the perfect relationship that once was. The Scriptures reveal the way to salvation something which general revelation or creation is unable to do. The Bible leads confused and sinful people up and out into the light of God's grace. It gives people hope and peace and joy. And as covenant partners, it sets us to work. It lays out our responsibilities for responsible, responsive Christian living. And so the Bible is God's word to a sinful, fallen world, a love letter to his people. I love you so much, my people. I have sent my son. And all of this is written that you may believe and believing that you may have eternal life. A greater love letter there isn't. In 2 Peter 1, 20, verse 20 and 21 Testifies that this is God God's word as he writes, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Or as we read in 2 Timothy 3:16, all scripture is God breathed. It's God's word because God is the author. And when Peter wrote what he did in 2 Peter 1, he was challenging some of the teachings of his day there were some rather ungodly religious leaders who were openly challenging the beliefs that Jesus would return again. And in their challenges of the gospel and of the prophecies and all the things being said about Jesus' second coming, and consequently in their challenges of the hope Christians have for the future, they made it quite plain that they regarded the prophecies and all the things said about Jesus' second coming as basically human-fabricated stories. All that stuff about Jesus and his coming again, they saw as not much more than fairy tales. And in this portion of his letter, Peter addresses that challenge. And the first thing that he declares is that he is an apostle, that he is an eyewitness to Jesus himself. He didn't make this up. He saw Jesus. He himself was present at the transfiguration. He was there when Jesus met Moses and Elijah on the mountain just before Jesus' death. The, that event certainly pointed forward to Jesus' return. These are not cleverly invented stories. They are the truth, Peter wants to affirm. And then with a word of warning to those who like twist the scriptures to suit their own purposes, the, apostles writes, the apostle writes that people would do well to pay attention now For one can be even more sure that the prophecies of Jesus' return are certain. I may have been an eyewitness, writes Peter, but even more importantly than that, the prophecy came from God himself, not man. It was God who, with his Holy Spirit, used people to write and to speak his word. Scripture can be relied on because behind the human author is the divine author. The prophets didn't just decide on, what their own, on their own what to write. No, God wrote it and he used people as instruments. No prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its own origin, in the will of man, but in God. You think of Jeremiah and the story that we're talking about. Jeremiah would never say those things to the people on his own accord. He spoke the word of the Lord. Besides using people as instruments, God also wrote with his own finger the two, two tables of the law. The Bible indeed, a special book given to us as the brave because of the special care he has for us and our salvation. This is, as mentioned, God's caring love letter. Through it, by it, he makes himself known to us for his glory and for our salvation. And Without this additional means of speaking to us, we would be lost. Perhaps we would know that there is a creator, but we would not know that there is also a redeemer, Jesus, God's own son so we confess that the Bible is the written Word of God. That confession has some important consequences for our lives. First of all, because it's the Word of God, it's living, because He's alive. And it's active, says Hebrews 4.12. The Bible comes to us today not as some dull, static record of Jewish religious history but as a living word from an ever-present, loving, gracious, righteous, living God. The words on the pages are living, relevant proclamations from God who leads and guides us through all of the struggles, complexities, and difficulties of our lives into that Sabbath rest. The word is alive and dynamic Able to make people wise unto salvation. It's important for the very salvation of people. Secondly, because it is the word of God and not the word of people, the Bible is thoroughly and entirely trustworthy. It will not let us down. God is trustworthy. And these are his words. All that he has ever promised his people concerning forgiveness and salvation, concerning his never letting us go, concerning eternal life and so on, all of that is true and sure. The good news of Jesus is real and true. This word is something you can stake your life on. It's God's word. And never yet throughout history has he gone back on his word. And thirdly, because it's God's word, his living word, we ought not to just let it lay around closed and unused. We must use our Bible. Get involved with the Lord. Listen to him speak to us through it. After all, this is how he lets us know that he loves us in Jesus. This is how he lets us know and come to understand his will for our lives. There's all sorts of books on shelves that have a great impact in our lives and that will cause us to change or to do things differently. And we like to tell each other about things like that. You know, what I read the other day? The Bible ought to challenge us. The Bible ought to change us. It ought to comfort us more than any other book. This word of God is really not something you could take or leave. Because leaving it will result in serious consequences. Instead, we ought to be accepting this caring, loving gift from our covenant God. As we go to the Belgic Confession, we discover that God reveals himself to us in two ways. Through the creation, general revelation, which whispers or shouts, as the case may be, that there is a creator, holy is his name. And secondly, God reveals himself to us by his holy and divine word, special revelation, which is primarily the Bible, a book that tells us all about the fact that there's not only a creator, but there is also a redeemer, namely Jesus Christ. And it's a good thing we can come to know about him. Otherwise, we would be lost. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you for the Bible, for this book that you have given to us as a love letter to your people. O Lord, we praise you for the scriptures and for how the Bible leads us to Jesus Christ and to knowing who he is. And we pray, O Lord, that we may be good students of that word, that we may take the time to open the scriptures and to listen to you speak to us. And we thank you, Lord, that it's available in so many different languages. We pray, Lord, for the Wycliffe Bible translators and for Bible societies and others who are seeking to translate the Bible into every single language on earth. And we pray that their work may be hurried and hastened and well done so that all may read your word in their own language, in their own tongue. And thereby come to know that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. We praise you, O Lord, for the wonders of creation. We praise you for your love letter to us. We pray, O Lord, that we may understand and accept and see you and give you the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.